the same thing now. God says to you, I'm going to do this for you because I made a covenant with my son Jesus and you're in Jesus. And in Galatians 3, it says, not only are you in Christ and an heir of God, you're sons and daughters of Abraham. So you're tied into the whole deal. You get all the blessings and all the promises that are right here in this book and this promise right here because of the covenant. Do you see how the basis is not, it's not based on the economy? It's not based on your character or your righteousness or your wisdom or your circumstances or your upbringing or your boss. It's not based on that at all. It's based on the fact that God made a covenant. And when God makes a covenant, He keeps His promises, right? Amen? He cannot lie. It's impossible. Look, look at what he says in Deuteronomy 9. Just jump over real quick to uh, verse 5. In verse 5 of Deuteronomy 9, he's explaining this. He says, It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, and that he may fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you see what God is saying? This is not because you're righteous. I'm not doing this because you're better than other people, right? He's trying to break down the pride that will cause him to be like, look at me. God bless me because I'm such a good Christian. What? He said, this isn't because of your righteousness. This is because of, and in the New Testament, it shifts not just because he swore a promise to Abraham, but even more than that, it's because of the righteousness of Christ, right? That you get blessed because Jesus obeyed God. When Jesus died on the cross, he took your sin upon himself. Right? He bore my sin in his body on that tree. And then he gave you his righteousness. It's not your righteousness, which is the basis of God providing for you and blessing you. It is Christ's righteousness in you, which is the, is the basis for the covenant that he has with you. God says, I'm not going to bless you and do this thing in, in your life because you're righteous, but because I swore a promise to Abraham, because I swore a promise to Jesus. You see that? And so yet, so often we disqualify ourselves. Or we put limits on God because of our circumstances, right? Now, this is not, you know, don't think I'm saying this is a license to, like, live foolishly or whatever. No, righteousness is the empowerment to walk in God's ways. But the Lord is saying, I am the God who made a covenant promise with your fathers. And I am the God who's going to give you the ability to make wealth. Look, turn with me in Genesis 26 here. Genesis 26. See, I'm like a, uh, I'm a messenger, right? I'm, I'm a newsboy. If you don't hear something, if you don't hear something, you can't believe God for it, right? If you don't hear a message, if you don't hear a message, you can't believe God for that. And so therefore you can't stand on that promise and claim that promise and make adjustments in your life to appropriate that promise in your life, Right? If you have this awesome bank account and nobody's told you that you have it or you don't have the PIN number, you can't access it, right? So many believers are living like people who have this great reserve, this great wealth in their life, this great potential, and yet they don't know about it. If you don't hear that these promises are for you, if you don't hear that this is what God wants to do in your life, you won't believe Him for it. Hence the reason why so many believers don't understand that God doesn't want to just have them cut, cut, cut. He wants to bring abundance in their life. If you've never heard that, 
Or if, if you don't know that, you won't believe him for it, right? You won't put your faith in him to see that happen. It's like, it's like the farmer who, who, um, who every year he struggled. Every year, struggling to make, make, make his crops come out of the ground. And he basically had to depend on government subsidies and just kind of, you know, basically always in debt, basically. Having to depend on someone else to provide the, 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 the come through for what he couldn't come up with, right? Struggling. Not living in abundance. And yet, that farmer was living on a ground that underneath that ground were tons of oil. Tons of oil. Right? Living his life as if he didn't have any of that because why? He didn't know he had that. It's his land. And that oil is under that ground. But he doesn't know that it's there. So he doesn't tap in. Unless you hear that you have the access to this, that you have a covenant with God, that he's made promises to you, that he's with you and he's on your side, that he wants to do this, you won't believe him for it, right? You won't access it. But I'm like the surveyor that comes to the farmer, taps into the ground, aren't I? Say, let me tell you what's in there. You're rich. What are you talking about, man? I don't even have enough food to feed my family. I got debts. What are you telling me that I'm rich for? Right? Doesn't sound congruent with my circumstances or my past, right? That's not the way I've been living my Christian life. That's not God's fault. I'm the surveyor that comes and taps into the ground. And I say, man, there's oil in there. Dude, you're rich. And what does faith do? Faith takes a big old straw and pop it right in the ground, right? Faith is the, that PIN number. Faith is that, is that ATM card that accesses a bank account in heaven. I don't just mean financial, of course. But I do mean that God is our provider and wants to pour out His blessings. And He has made promises to us. Right? This, what I'm talking about, is the reality in the unseen world. What we're talking about is living by faith in what God said in His Word. Because what God said in His Word is what the kingdom looks like. And we are not people of this world anymore, right? Amen? We're citizens of heaven. People of the kingdom of God. And we need to learn to live by what He said in His Word. Because it doesn't look like it's working in the world, right? Because this world is broken and fallen. And we've got to learn to live by faith. Right? So I'm the messenger, I'm the surveyor. And I come and I say, look at what you got. And it's faith that says, really? Hey, that sounds pretty good. And faith taps into that, begins to stand on the promise of God, begin to claim that promise for my life and say, no, my circumstances are no longer just going to, whatever happens. No, my circumstances and my life are going to line up with what the Word says. I'm not going to think like a poor person anymore. I'm going to line up my thinking and my emotions with what the Word says, Right? I'm not going to think, well, I'm not very smart and I can't really do very much. No, my God gives me the ability to create wealth. Man, actually, real quick. Remember Billy came a couple weeks ago? I don't think he would mind me telling you this. Let me tell you, Billy and I went through a lot. First, you know, we were passionate for Jesus, overzealous. You know, (laughs) Uh, zeal was the good part. Our dysfunction was we had some views of God that were messed up. We became kind of prideful and legal, not kind of. How can you say kind of, you know what I'm saying? We became prideful and legalistic. It was kind of scary, almost cultish. And what happened was the Lord freed us and healed us and delivered us. And him and I had different issues. But let me tell you something. When he was growing up, he had a pretty rough home. If you want to talk about rough homes, you could compare it with Billy's. He might beat you. 
he had a really, really rough upbringing. And what he had learned growing up was a lot of survival tactics. And in his educational abilities, let me tell you, he was stunted. I just want to tell you straight up, that boy was stunted. And he went to the Bible college, and he actually told me this later, but his freshman year, he cheated on a test. Why? We're at Bible college, right? He's loving Jesus. Why? Because he was so scared of failing because he didn't know what was going on. He was overwhelmed. I mean, my freshman, my first semester, I was writing papers on the holiness of God. God is holy. And he's like, what the heck? What? You know what I'm saying? He was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I was all excited about all this theology and everything. And um, I'm telling you, his, his academics were stunted because of the environment he'd grown up with, the words that were spoken over his mind because of the abuse, basically. And he thought he had to cope in a certain way by cheating, and he repented. He actually confessed to the dean and all this stuff, and he made it right, and he was doing good stuff. But let me tell you something. When he graduated from his master's degree, his MDiv, straight-A student. Let me tell you, the Lord healed his heart, and it healed his mind. I'm guarantee, I guarantee it. The Lord... I'm, Billy, I mean, tell, talk about giving Billy the ability to make wealth. Man, that guy, I think he could start any business. I think he would succeed. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the Lord, this is what God does. He heals people and transforms their life, you know? I, I mean, anyways, just Billy's just this brilliant guy, and uh, he always had it in him, of course, amen? But God had to he- bring healing and stuff, all right? Look at, look at, look at Jer- Genesis 26. I want to ask you guys a question in regards to this. Is this promise... And we're going to look at Genesis 26 for the answer here. Is this promise that God would give us the ability to create wealth, does this work only in America? Just so it doesn't work in Africa, right? Does it only work when there's not a recession? You know what I'm saying? Well, you've got to understand, Dave, there's like so many people competing for jobs and you know, blah, blah, blah. And you've got to know the circumstances. Does this only work then? Can God only bring abundance out of abundance? Can God only give you more when everyone else has more? Is that how this thing works? Or let me ask you the question, and I know you know where I'm going. Can God bring abundance even in the midst of lack? Can God bring abundance out of lack? Man, the Lord's been just rocking me with this. I'm just going to show you one story just for the sake of time that we have. But let me tell you, over and over and over and over in the Bible, I'm watching the Lord take out of lack, produce abundance. Think about Israel, right? In a wilderness, barren, takes a rock, a dead rock, and causes what to come out of that rock? Rivers to be able to feed or to give drink to like two million people. A rock and rivers are flowing out of it, right? Manna rains from heaven 40 years, out of lack, out of nothing, bam, right? He is the God who makes water into wine, right? He is the God who takes a little bit of bread and feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. He's able to take a little and produce a lot, right? I love this with Genesis 26. Listen to the, uh, Isaac. Remember that God made a promise to Abraham. And if you remember in Genesis 13, Abraham was very rich. God caused Abraham to prosper until he was very rich, it says in Genesis 13. Not just spiritually, Right? Materially rich. Why? Because God had made a promise to bless him. Isaac comes on the scene, and look at what Isaac is facing. There was a famine in the land. Besides the time, the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land 
of which I shall tell you, dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath, right, the covenant promise, which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's referring to Jesus. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Isaac was blessed. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Abraham was blessed. God made a promise to Abraham. I will bless you and make you a blessing. If anyone blesses you, I'll bless them. If anyone curses you, I'll curse them. That's in Genesis 12. That was the promise God made to Abraham, right? God blessed Abraham to the point where he was very rich. He never inherited the land, right? He died and his descendants ultimately inherited the land. But the Lord blessed Abraham and ultimately gave him a son named Isaac. God comes to Isaac and makes the same promise, right? He confirms the oath to Isaac, just like we read in Deuteronomy 8, where God confirmed the oath to Israel. And he confirms it also then to us as people who are in Christ. God comes to Isaac and says, I will bless you, right? And he says, I'm going to be with you. Remember, we've learned that if God says, I'm going to be with you, it means that he is giving himself and all of his resources and all of his wisdom and ability, he is giving you himself, right? Remember, we've learned that the presence of God is the provision for all of his promises. He himself is all we need. He himself is our provision, his presence. And so when he says, I'm going to be with you, man, you know that's a guarantee of success right there. I'm going to be with you. You know that what you put your hand to will be blessed of the Lord. And he says, I will bless you. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. Well, wait a minute though. Isaac's in a famine. I mean, I know, God, that this worked with Abraham. I know. I know. It worked with my dad. But you don't understand what I'm going through. This is a famine. You know what a famine is, right? That's worse than a recession. Okay? Recession, you could argue, is between the ears. Recession, you could argue that mostly it's just the way people are thinking and the way that they're spending and things like that, right? Now, there are some reality to recessions and the ups and downs of economies and, you know, bubbles burst and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes, let me tell you, economists will say a lot of times recession is just between the ears. But you know what? Not famine. Famine is right there at the belly button. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Famine means you don't have rain. Famine means you don't have crops going out of the ground. Famine means you are hungry. And famine means someone's going to die, you know, if it keeps going and if it gets worse. And what does everyone do when there's a famine in the ancient world? You go to Egypt. Because Egypt, they got the river Nile and their crops grow because they got the river. And so you go down to Egypt. Egypt has all the, all the grain and all the stuff you need. And you go down to Egypt and you get what you need there. But guess what you have to do to get that? You have to sell stuff. You have to lose your land. You have to sell your stuff. And you have to go in debt to Egypt. And what does God say to Isaac? Don't go down there. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Don't go into debt like everyone else. Don't sell yourself into bondage. Don't depend on the superpower. Don't depend on that world system. Don't do what everyone else is doing. I want you to live right here and stay in this land. What are you talking about? Dude, I'm going to die. It's a famine. God, did you did it? You know, he busting out Webster Dictionary and reading the dictionary. Famine is to God. You know what I'm saying? God, did you catch this? There's a famine, you know? Do you know what's going on here? Of course God knows what's going on here. And God says, live in the land. Can God's promise 
be fulfilled in the midst of a famine? Could God bless Isaac? Can God cause Isaac to abound and to prosper and to be blessed like his father Abraham did? But it's a famine. I love this. Look at verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in the land, right? He sowed seed into the ground and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. But wait a minute, it was a famine. That Isaac, when everyone else has crops that are not growing, when everyone else is going down to Egypt, how is it that Isaac not only has enough to eat, but actually increases in the midst of the famine, right? He takes seed and sows it into a ground where it's not working for anyone else, and it worked for him. And not only that, is then he reinvested that and reinvested that, so over the years, bam, became very prosperous. Why? It has nothing to do with the circumstance. It has nothing to do with the ground. It has nothing to do with Isaac, except for his faith. It has everything to do with the fact that God made a promise to Abraham. He said to Isaac, I promise to bless you and to be with you. Right? I will do what I said that I would do for Abraham. I'm going to do it for you. And because because Isaac heard the Lord, he could believe God and hear what he was supposed to do and do it, right? If Isaac had not heard the Lord, he wouldn't have known to do that. He would have gone down to Egypt, right? Just like the woman who had that flow of blood for 12 years, problem. If she had never heard the gospel, she would not have had faith to touch Jesus and be healed. But because she heard the gospel, she reached out and touched the Lord, healed, right? Why? Man, you could be touching Jesus all you want. People bumping into Jesus all day. Hey, how you doing, Jesus? but because she touched him with faith, right? It's the same thing. Isaac heard the Lord. Isaac heard the Lord that I'm going to be with you. You sow in this land and I'm going to be with you. And so Isaac, in response to the word, Isaac, because he heard God, took seed and sowed it to the ground. Isn't that a risk? Seed is your money. Seed is your investment. And he could have sowed in the ground and lost everything. But what looks to be a risk from a natural perspective, is not a risk when you hear God. Right? And Isaac steps out and does what no one else is doing and sows in that ground and what? Reaps a hundredfold, which means a great harvest. We're talking not just matching what he put in there, but abundantly. hundredfold is always the idea of producing 100% or abundantly above and beyond what you put in. That's a great return on his investment. And he took it and reinvested it and reinvested it until he became very prosperous. Do you see what the Lord's trying to say to us? God is trying to convince us that I am the God who brings abundance out of lack. That I am not limited by any person or situation in your life. But I have made promises to you. And those are the words that you are to live your life by. Amen? Not the diagnosis of the economy. Not what people say about you. Not what people in your past have said about you. But I have made promises to you. And I have said that I am your God. And I will give you the power to make wealth. And what happens when you believe this? It means right here and right now in this economy, we begin to position ourselves 
to think differently and to live differently. I believe that the Lord would have many of us to prepare ourselves to step into the abundance He has for us. You know, we could take this spiritually and, and talk about, you know, sowing seed by giving. You know, giving is called sowing into the kingdom and reaping. Okay, that's good. We'll talk about that. We need to give to the Lord and reap a harvest. We could talk about sowing our words. Your words are sowed into the ground. We need to do that too. But do you notice that this is not a spiritual story? This is a real dude with a real famine with some real seed. And what did he do? He invested it. See, because when we hear God and we invest, we're guaranteed to have that success. We need to hear the Lord, right? He heard God. Miracles don't just happen. You know, a lot of times we, we think faith is just sitting around and just God will come through at the last minute. Well, that, God is good and he'll do that sometimes. <laughs> you know? I mean, he does because he's just good God. But when you read the Bible, and I'm going to show you this, miracles don't just happen. Miracles happen because someone heard God. Right? Rotter did not just come out of a rock. Moses heard God and struck it because that's what God told him to do. Miracles happen because someone hears God and we need to believe Him and we need to hear the voice of the Lord and have Him direct us. What, what could this look like? I, I don't know exactly what this could look like. I believe that the Lord would speak to you about what He wants to do in your life to increase wealth in your life. Not for greed. Not for greed. But he, because He wants you to look to Him as your provider. Because He wants to give you the desires of your heart. And because He wants you to have an abundance for every good work. Maybe for you, it's getting that job. Or getting a promotion. Or getting more work in your particular field. But you say, there's so many other people competing for jobs. Or there's so little work out there. Who is your God? If you talk like that, that's what you're going to get. But if you'll stand on the promise of God and say, no, my God will give me the ability to create wealth. And you seek Him and you cry out. What did Jesus say? Seek and you will find, right? Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Many people feel like God is this stingy God. But what did He say? Man, I'll open the door. I'll open the door. But what do you have to do? Knock. Why did Jesus talk like that? Because He was preaching the gospel and He was telling people that this could be theirs, right? Jesus was the messenger, the surveyor, saying, look, it's in there. you just got to tap in. You've got to ask Him. You've got to cry out. And you've got to position yourself to hear the Lord. Right? It's not just, well, just tough it out, and I hope God will come through, and, you know, let go and let God, you know, and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, we need a miracle. That means you've got to position yourself in faith to hear the Lord to what you need to do. What do you need to do? I think for some, it's education. Some people, it's like, man, you're not going to go to that next level without getting some education that's going to prepare you for that abundance. This is something, I don't just say that flippantly. I say that because, one, I mean, that's just a wise principle, but I've been seeking the Lord. God, what, do you, what are you saying? What are you saying to your people? Many people don't realize, because either because they have a limited mindset or they, they've been put down all their life, whatever, they don't realize that God has more for them. And if they would simply step in and prepare, oh, but, oh, but that's going to take money to do that. Oh, it's going to take money to... Uh, of course! You have to sow seed, right? For some, it could be starting a business, maybe a small one or a bigger one, or expanding a business. It could be stepping out with a, an invention or a thing that God has given to you. As long as you hold on to it in fear, I'm not going to sow in this land because there's a famine. 
Or I'm going to go down to Egypt and just play it safe, just do what everyone else is doing, just be in debt or just, you know, serve the man. Then you're not going to see what God wants you. It's, it's stepping out, right? And saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And sowing into your future. Like I said, I think for a lot of people it is education. Not everyone. It doesn't mean you just go get a degree just to get a degree. But what does the Lord want you to do? And, I, and I've talked to you about this. I could tell you story after story how the Lord has brought blessing and abundance to, to Michelle and I. And we, 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 we've, we serve the Lord. We give our lives to the Lord. And we give, you know, we give to preach the gospel. We also give financially to the kingdom. You know, we've made choices, certain choices that Michelle wouldn't work so she could take care of them. I mean, she does work. She serves our kids and raise it, primarily focusing on raising and disciple them, but she doesn't bring in income. We've made choices like that, right? But the Lord has blessed us. I've had people tell me years ago that you can't live in California and own a home and have not, and, and, and have one person working. Funny? Cause I am! And I'll tell you, a lot of it is because we live simply and we don't live in debt. And you know what I'm saying? We, we, we don't have a hole in our bucket. I mean, it's a big deal. And we've been blessed by, by family and stuff. But it's the Lord. It's the Lord who's done that, right? Because we're being faithful to serve Him, to seek first His kingdom. We don't sit there worrying about money. We serve God. And we don't, we don't hold on to our money. We give, right? You know what happens in a recession, right? I'm telling you, man. I told Michelle years ago in 2008, I said, I said I'm telling you, babe. Things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. I mean, I'm not an economist, right? But I'm not dumb. And I said, hey, I'm telling you, people are going to go deeper in debt in this recession the next few years. I know it. Mostly because people aren't ready. And this is why years ago, when I first was the pastor, we preached on get out of debt. Because, man, that's like, dude, get ready for hard times. By one, getting out of debt. And two, begin to believe the Lord to create well. Well, I'm telling you, I just read an article a couple days or a couple weeks ago. And they have, they have statistics proving people have depleted their savings and people have gone deeper into debt. Why? Because that's Egypt. And I knew it would happen, but that's not what God wills. And God does not want you to suffer like everyone else in this world. He does not want you to think, I'm competing with, for jobs with everyone else. No, you're not. You are not like everyone else. God has made promises to you. God loves everyone, but not everyone's in a covenant with Him. You are not competing for, with everyone else for a job. You are trusting God to give you that job. And it's not just based upon you or your abilities or your whatever or your education. It's based on the favor of God. But I'm telling you, if the Lord tells you, remember I told you a little while ago that the Lord told me when to start my master's degree. And the Lord told me when to get that master's degree done. And funny, He set it all up so that when I was laid off from this job, Doors were open to very well-paying jobs, actually, for that period of time. Before I was a senior pastor here, doors open, and they only open because of my master's degree. I did not just go and get a degree just because that's what you're supposed to do. I heard God, and I heard God on the timing, and it was the way that God provided. I teach at Life Pacific College because I have a master's degree. It's a ministry, and it's also a source of blessing and provision. Why? Because I heard God. But does sowing a seed, is it instantaneous? Fix the problem tomorrow? Hey, I'm convinced that God will pour out His blessing on you this week. And He'll pour out blessing and favor on you this week. Many of you have already in this series seen your faith grow and seen the Lord come through. But let me tell you, it takes time to sow seed in the ground. Water it and wait, right? It might take time to invest. It might take time to get a job, or uh, uh, to uh, uh, get an education or get training or increase in this area. You've got to hear the Lord. This is why the Lord has been saying to us at the beginning, I said this, prepare my people to move out of lack 
and into abundance, right? Why? Because we've got to learn how to build up our faith. We've got to learn to hear the Lord. We've got to learn to make adjustments in our life. It'll take time to make some adjustments and cut the, cut the excessive spending. It'll take time for you to hear the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do that's going to take me to the next level instead of, instead of just struggling all the time? It's going to take you time. You need to get into the Word of God. You need to spend time with the Lord, right? right? This is why we do Operation Saul Lives, because it strengthens us. It's not just, well, I heard that message one time. I know that it's true. No, we don't want to just know that it's true. I need to appropriate it in my life. I'm telling you, I'm starting to believe this. I don't have as many stories about, about this passage because I'm just starting to realize it in my own life. I'm like, my goodness, you mean God can bring abundance out of lack? You mean it's not based on the economy? You mean God can totally bless His people? Man, it's all over the Bible. I'm like, He really is my provider, right? And I'm beginning to stand on the Word of God just like you and say, You will bring abundance out of lack. You are a provider and you will cause us to create wealth, right? You will give us resources for this ministry. You will be our provider and you will bring an abundance, what? For every good work. I'm standing on that Word as well as you. I've seen the Lord bless me in many ways. I'm telling you, I'm standing on the Word of God. Because I'm believing God for more. I'm not greedy. I'm not living in discontentment. I'm grateful for what God has done. And of course, the Lord probably has to purify all of our hearts in some of those areas, right? But I'm standing on that word. So what is it for you? What is it for you where the Lord would want to bring promotion? Or the Lord would want to bring you into a certain job or take you up to another level? What adjustments do you need to make? Are there character adjustments? Are there adjustments to the way you're talking, you're thinking? Are there adjustments in things? Right, we're going to talk about this more, about things we need to do to adjust our life and respond. But it begins with hearing the promise and claiming that for our life. This is my God. He has made promises to me, right? How can I be so confident? Is it because I'm so perfect? No, it's because Jesus died on, on the cross, shed his blood, just like we sang that last song, in Christ alone. Not my righteousness, not my human effort, in Christ alone. And what did we sing in that song? Oh, no more striving. There's confidence in that place. There's rest. There's not guilt. There's not fear, but a confidence. And when you stand in that word and you claim that promise, man, there's oil under there. And you take that thing called faith and pop it in the ground like a straw and appropriate those resources to your life. Amen? We need to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm telling you, if you look in the natural, you get discouraged. You look in the spiritual and you say, man, goodness, man, I got resources in heaven. My dad is my provider and he's rich. My, thank you, Lord. Right? When you see it by faith, according to the word, that brings some joy and rest. Amen? No worry there. Why? Because what did Jesus say? Your father delights to give you the kingdom. Let's stand up and let's receive from the Lord right now. Amen? Let's receive what God has for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to tell the Lord thank you. Thank Him for His Word. Thank, you for, thank the Lord for His promise.